Thank you. Thank you, uh, uh, Sarah, Damike, Nathan, Joanne, for sending in your videos. Thank you, Nathan, for your words of encouragement. Um, I'm speaking really fast. I need to slow down. Okay. Um, good morning, everyone. Hey, good morning. <laughs> it feels weird standing up here. Well, it feels weird knowing that I'm going to have to stand up here for a long time to preach 30 minutes, preach the gospel. Not an hour, 30. 30, 30 minutes. Okay, let's just keep you for 30 minutes. Honestly, the thought of preaching has never crossed my mind. Um, I always thought I would be sitting in those chairs a lot longer before I could ever stand up here. In my mind, preaching up here was so far in the future, it might as well not have been in my future. That was my thought. It was not until we had a meeting in February where uh, Pastor Paul announced he was going on a trip to India and wanted to prepare speakers for his absence. When he put my name on the list, I was without a doubt, thoroughly surprised. I thought I was still part of the youth team, the team that is still learning, not teaching. But through the process of preparing this message, I learned that through teaching, one is required to learn more than the learner. I now partially understand the responsibility of Pastor Paul has up here. Like when you stand up here, you represent God's teaching. So you can't be wrong with your words. You have to do your research and make sure your research is correct. So I'm not going to talk about anything too complex. I'm just going to share the gospel today uh, because I want to make sure that I am not teaching anything that is wrong. I am very thankful for this opportunity uh, to teach and would like to see this opportunity extended to many others in this church as I see the great potential for learning. Before I begin, I would uh, like to open with prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, I pray you be with me as I speak your word, Lord, today, Lord. Uh, let your word flow through me, Lord, and let me not stray away from your word. I understand the responsibility on me today as I preach your gospel to your people, Lord. Let me not lead your people astray, but rather gift them with your word. I pray for the people listening that they hear that what you want them to hear, Lord, that I speak in accordance of your will. Be with me as you said, go out into all the world and proclaim the gospel through the whole creation. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, as I was preparing this message, I decided the best thing to do is to write it all down so I don't mess up. So if worse comes to worse, uh, I will just be reading to you guys for about 30 minutes. Um, if you guys get too bored and fall asleep, don't feel too bad because I can't see you. Um, I stayed up really late last night and woke up really early in the morning. It feels like whether I, I'm up here or down there, I'm, I'm falling asleep. Thanks, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's just me. Uh, uh, so the, uh, the average speaker speaks around 150 words per minute, and I'm shooting for 30 minutes. So please bear with me for 4,500 words. You've already gone through 325, only 4,175 to go. Okay. As you all know, it is... Uh, my first time preaching up here, so don't judge me too harshly. Actually, uh, judge me however you like. God's judgment is the only one that matters. <laughs> we're going to talk about that a lot later. All right? Uh, we're going to talk about judgment and consequences. So um, the title of my message today is Delayed Consequences. But before we get into that, uh, remember to like, subscribe, and hit the bell notification right over there um, to turn on notifications. And if you click the link in the description, you'll find instructions for a free chance to win a Bible. Just kidding. <laughs> we should make that happen, though. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, right? uh, but in all seriousness, uh, please hit that subscribe button. We need to hit 100 subscribers to access the full functionalities of a YouTube channel. All right, back to the message. 
All right, if you remember back to my previous Awana sharings, I've talked about procrastination, procrastination, and consequences of procrastination. Consequences of procrastination. I've talked about how we procrastinate and what the consequences are, but I never talked about why we face the consequences. So today, uh, I'm going to talk about why we continue to take actions, even though we know all actions have consequences, and yet somehow we still get surprised by the outcome. The answer is the title of my message today, Delayed Consequences. Delayed consequences, I'm going to say that a lot. Um, or indeterminate consequences are the sole reasons why we take risks sinning. Delayed consequences are why we continue to take risks even though consequences are evident to occur. Imagine a world where consequences were instant. I tried to snap, it didn't work. We keep getting closer and closer to instant gratification. But what if consequences were instant? If every time you missed a workout, you gained a pound immediately? I'm pretty sure everyone would be working out. No one would risk cheating on a test if they knew they'd immediately fail. If everyone got a slap on the face, if I got a slap on the face every time I put something where it doesn't belong, I would probably, everything would probably be in order. The reasons why we refuse to learn from our sins is because our consequences are either delayed or indeterminate. Even though consequences are delayed, theoretically, we should still continue not con to not continue risk to risk committing crimes. I'm going to slow down a little bit. The consequences, even though delayed, should be able to teach us to not sin. When we teach children, we teach them through positive and negative reinforcement, and eventually they learn. But why, as adults, do we still struggle with sin? Do we not learn from our consequences? There are three reasons why people continue to commit crimes, and likewise, three possible reasons why we continue to sin. Three possible reasons. One reason is we commit crimes because we are ignorant of the consequences. Everything has to do with consequences. The crimes, uh, yeah, so. The first thing we commit, the first thing reason is we commit crimes because we don't know the consequences of our actions or we don't care. So do you remember, do you guys know what a Kinder Egg is? Those little chocolate balls with a toy inside them? Those are illegal in the US and there were these two guys from Canada who were just trying to cross the border. And they, did, and they had a couple of eggs on them and they were fined $2,500 per egg, per egg, just for a kinder egg. Now, those two guys could have used the excuse about like not knowing the law, but what about us? We cannot use the excuse of ignorance, at least the people listening to the sermon, because I am going to state the consequence of sin right here, right now. Romans 6.23, the one we said in the verse, in worship. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is the consequence of sin? For the wages of sin is death. Hearing that verse, no one can claim ignorance about the consequences of their sin. It clearly states that the consequences of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. Have you ever guys seen that uh, meme from uh, Parks and Recreation, Straight to Jail? That, that guy who's, who just says, Straight to Jail? Well, he's, there's this person from uh, a president of a third world country, I, for, I forget. He says, I forgot which situation, but he says, that wouldn't happen to my in my country. Get calling, jail. Play music too loud, straight to jail. Straight to jail. Driving too fast, jail. Too slow, jail. That seems like a scary place to live in, but that would be the world we would live in without Jesus Christ. God cannot tolerate any sin, and no one else but Jesus can take it for us. Any sin we commit would send us to hell if it not were not for Jesus Christ. The consequence of sin is very clear in the Bible, so there is no valid reason for a Christian to claim ignorance for the consequence of their actions. Reason number two. First reason was ignorance. Reason number two. Reason number two is 
Oh, I'm moving a little fast. Um, I might not meet you to 30 minutes, but okay. Okay, the second reason is people risk committing crimes is that they think that they are above the law. They either think they can get away with the law, or they are so entitled that the law doesn't apply to them. God is omnipotent and therefore sees everything. Proverbs 15.3, it says, states, the, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. There is no hiding from God's eyes. There is no one exempt from the law. No one can sin and expect to get away with no consequences. There is absolutely no chance. In Ezekiel 18.20, it states that, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. Neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteousness shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. No one is exempt from the law. Everyone has their own race. The righteous will be judged by their righteousness, and the wicked will be judged by their wickedness. The people you know won't be able to lessen the burden of your consequences. The law is set for everyone equally and evenly. We must run from our own race. There is no one exempt from the law. Reason number three that we risk committing sins is that we are willing to face the consequences. Some people eat that extra cookie knowing the consequences that the temporary pleasure now will be worth the extra weight later. Some people commit crimes worthy of the death penalty with full knowledge of their outcome, but they still pull through with their actions because they think it's worth it. Now, what does that mean spiritually? Are you willing to face the consequences of living a life of sin? Some are willing to die for pleasure, but that is only the matter of the body. Matthew 10.28 says, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are you willing to face such a consequence of for a lifetime of sin, an eternity in hell for a little bit of pleasure? If the consequence of an eternity is in hell is worth the pleasure of this wor world, either you haven't heard much about hell or you're logically insane. In Proverbs 22.3 it says, A prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. A wise man will see evil before it arises and stay away from it. But the fool will continue the path of the evil and be punished. The smart decision would be to be aware of evil and not willingly accept the consequences of sin and be punished. So these three points I made, um, ignorance, above the law, and we are uh, willing to uh, accept the consequences of our actions. These three reasons are reasons that might, that people commit crimes, and I'm trying to apply it to sin. Right? But I just invalidated all three reasons. All, the, all three reasons, biblically, there is no logical excuse for why we sin. Human sinful nature might be one, but that's on us. It seems that God is reasonable with his expectations, yet we still fail to meet them. Have you ever tried not sinning just for one day? It's, it's, it's impossible. Even impure thoughts are considered sins in the eyes of God. It's logically doable, but it just seems impossible for us to do it on our own. All right, now uh, that's the dark side of my message. Now uh, we reached the half point, halfway point of my message. Yes, we are at 2,250 words, just another 2,250 to go. Bear with me. Uh, the message gets a lot better than this, uh, better after this. Uh, hearing all of this sounds just like it should be obvious why we shouldn't sin. It sounds as if God's ex expectations are simple, to not sin, yet impo impossible for us to accomplish. The goal seems to be crystal clear, but as clear as it is, it is clearly impossible. We are all born to sin, so we failed right from the start. Being born, straight to jail. It's a struggle, but it's not hopeless. Romans 5.19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. 
This verse is talking about Adam and Jesus. Adam, one man, who is disobedient, affected the entire human population's sin. But the obedience of Jesus' sacrifice, many were, are made righteous. Easter's coming up, and I was going to prepare a whole video, but due to quarantine, I won't be able to produce this. I'll produce something else. But the celebration of Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection is coming up soon. Through Jesus' sacrifice, we no longer go straight to jail. We have a trial as Jesus, and Jesus is our witness. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one can come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. He is our witness that will testify for us. He is the one and only that can bear your sins on his cross. John 3.16, everyone knows this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For, okay, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Even in Romans 6.23, the verse I started this all out with, although it begins with, for the wages of sin is death, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God is eternal in Christ Jesus our Lord. I totally skipped over that point. But I'm bringing it back now because this is where I'm bringing all the good and juicy parts, and that give hope. The gift of God is eternal life. Although Jesus died for our sins, this does not mean we are exempt from the law. It doesn't mean that we are no longer have to obey the law. One of my first favorite verses that I stumbled upon researching this topic is Romans 5.20. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The law was brought in so that trespasses might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. The reason why this verse interested me so much was because I've grown up trying to question the system. If a system in place is set in such a way that nobody can pass, is not the system flawed? But the system is not flawed because Jesus Christ passed the system. The law was brought in so that trespasses might increase. God knew that bringing in the law would increase more sin, but in the increase of our, in our sin, God can show us even more grace. Now, at first, when I was reading this, I, I sound, it sounded like a scam. <laughs> like, it was raising their prices and then putting it on sale. Like, God set the bar too high, and then he let people through and called it grace. That's, so I thought, when I first read this, I was like, why not just set the bar lower and have everyone do it? It just sounds like God's just putting it, the, the bar high and um, calling it grace for the rest. But then the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. If God set the bar lower, but then, then everyone would have to meet a certain standard. Those who didn't have the same opportunity to flourish their knowledge about God would have a disadvantage on uh, the people who had opportunities. Our God is a God of second chances, meaning no matter how far you fell, by God's grace, you can still turn out your outcome around. For where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigns in death, also grace might reign through righteousness. For the wages of sin is death still remains true. Sin reigns in death, but grace might reign through righteousness. Through faith we are saved, through God's grace, we are saved. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. Why will we are set yet sinners? Christ died for us. In Acts 16.31, they, they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. That is the gospel. 
if you guys haven't noticed, um, I used all the verses from the gospel wheel and uh, in this message with a couple of others um, that I found interesting. I know you might have heard the gospel uh, many times, but I didn't want to be too ambitious with my sermon today, and you can't hear the gospel too many times. I might have spoken a little too fast and skipped over stuff. But, uh, I'm at the end of my sermon. I'm going to end my sermon with a challenge. I never thought I would be standing up here speaking to a camera about the gospel. But the thing about me is the challenge was set before me and I took it. I could, have, I could have said no and said I wasn't ready to be up in here and preach, but I'm going to set a challenge before you. Do a, leader, do a little research. Answer one of the questions that you struggle with. Answer a question you can't answer. Like, why was Jesus' death the only way we could be free from sin? Why would a perfect God have to hit the restart button with Noah? These are just a couple of tough questions that with just a little of research, you can answer. All right, um, short, sweet, and to the point. That's my message. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord, uh, I thank you for uh, this church, Lord, giving me the opportunity to learn about you, to research your word, and to teach, Lord. Uh, I pray that you keep us all safe, and I pray for everyone who's listening to this and everyone around the world. I pray that you keep them safe, and I pray that everyone stays home and stays safe. In Jesus' name, amen.